Two priests were standing near a sharp curve on a busy road, and they were holding signs. One read, the end is near. The other priest's sign read, turn around before it's too late. As he passed by, a guy in a sports car who was not a believer yelled at them, shook his fist, blasted his horn, gave him the one-finger salute, and stomped on the gas and took off. Moments later, the priest heard the sound of screeching tire followed by a big splash. The priest turned to one another, and one of them said, maybe we should change our signs to say the bridge is out. <laughs> Today is the sixth Sunday of Easter, and we read this morning, or Rusty read for us, a portion of Peter's letter that considers our need to stay faithful to Christ and loyal to the Christian faith and keeping hope, even when it is difficult to do so. Staying faithful to Christ can be real tough when life gets difficult, like right now during this pandemic. But the world that surrounded the early church, to which this letter was written to, was no less full of suffering and challenge and pain than our own. Maybe it was more so. Life for these first century Christians was surely more precarious than our own. And for those early Christians, the threat of suffering and death was more real than anything that we Christians in North America face today, even with the pandemic. When life throws us a curveball, it's really hard to keep the Christian faith and hope in the light of what has happened to us. It's challenging when you lose your job, or worse, when you lose a friend or a loved one to this disease. And sometimes other people, while you're trying to deal with this, will give you a hard time for being a Christian. Your friends, even your own family members, work colleagues, our employers, they don't make it easy for us. They challenge us on our faith and our hope for better things. The temptation is either to stay quiet, say nothing about faith, say nothing about prayer, say nothing about Christ, or give up on your faith altogether. A few weeks ago, I spoke to you about the travelers on the road to Emmaus and how they had lost all their hope because Christ had died and was buried and they didn't understand what was going on. Their hope had withered away. For us human beings, hope is a fragile thing. Faith is a fragile thing. But Peter's letter gave the early Christians and us some real encouragement when we feel that things are going bad and that our hope is gone and our faith is gone. So why hope and not fear or worry or concern or feel dread? Last week, Father Tom told us how God tells us all the time, do not be afraid. And today, Peter gives us what we need to know to bring back that hope and faith when fear overcomes us. He says, in your hearts, sanctify Christ as Lord. Peter understood that the Christian life, the life marked by pursuing good and doing right, must be shaped by having Christ at his very center. Notice Peter says, in your hearts, that is the center of your being, which determines how you imagine and envision 
the world. Peter says, in your hearts, sanctify Christ as Lord. To do this is to exalt, honor, and revere the crucified and resurrected Christ. To sanctify Christ as Lord is to allow your way of seeing and experiencing the world to be formed by the one who inspired the hope of a different world, a world that's marked by forgiveness and freedom, justice and peace, and most of all, love. To sanctify Christ as Lord in one's heart is to allow Christ's holy light to shine from the center of one's being so that darkness is overcome and God's glory is revealed. Sanctifying Christ as Lord is allowing Christ to rule every action, every reaction, every motivation, every impulse, every thought, word, and deed, so that God's kingdom is made known to all. Those who have hope are those who have had the core who they are ordered and reordered by the story of Jesus. For all of us who would say, I'm a Christian, there is a need for faith and for trust. For all of us who share resurrection belief, there's a real need to move beyond our fear, to hope. For all of us who are in the community of Christ, there is the real need for perseverance in the face of adversity. Yes, we have adversity in our lives. There are complications in our lives, complications to our believing. There is opposition, uncertainty, suffering, and pain in our living. And yet, the Spirit of God is given to us. Yet, we have the companionship of the risen Christ for our journey. Yet, we have the community of faith, sisters and brothers who also believe just like we do and with whom we have solidarity and community. Our call is to keep on going in the, in the face of adversity, to persevere in faith, to take one step at a time in our journey, to move ahead in our living and believing. We do not have to be perfect, and we certainly don't have all the answers. But what we do have is to place one foot in front of the other and move on in our living and believing. St. Augustine of Hippo, and leader of the early Christian church, described the movement of the Christian life in a very particular way. He would begin by describing the destination of our journey in faith and life, the eternal love and presence of God. He would envision a time of security from adversity and challenge in a place where there is neither opposition nor death. We need to keep on walking. Augustine's own words says it's so powerful. So, brothers and sisters, let us sing Alleluia like we did today. Let us sing as travelers sing along the road. But keep on walking. Sing, but keep on walking. And what do I mean by walking? I mean, press on from good to better. If you press on, you keep on walking. So yes, sing hallelujah, but keep that walk of faith going on. Christianity is a journey. It is a journey of faith, of hope, of love. It is a journey in times of great joy and hope, and it also a journey in times of challenge and adversity like today. Perhaps the greatest gift demonstrated by the saints, witnesses, 
and martyrs of Christian history has been the gift of perseverance. I have seen it many times in the clinic where I work, people who are faced with a lot of adversity, poverty, illness, but they keep on walking. They continue to persevere. They continue to move forward even in the midst of pain, suffering, challenge, or uncertainty. They have been witnesses to me in word and also by the example of their lives. So the question before us today is this, where are we on our journey? Where am I on my journey? Have I become stuck? Has a particular challenge or test stopped me in my tracks? Can I command the faith that is in me? Indeed, I am moving forward, walking ahead, persevering. And the good news of the gospel is news of solidarity and companionship. Christ is our companion on this journey. It is the news that the risen one is with us, a fellow surgeoner on the way. It is the news that the spirit of the risen Christ is our advocate and guide for the journey. The spirit gives us words and works, guides our pathways and our movements, strengthens and fortifies us for this journey. Yes, sing hallelujah, the resurrection song, the song of life, the song of victory, the song of hope, and keep on walking. Or he used to say in the 70s, keep on trucking. Because beloved of God, it is Jesus that inspires hope that persists through flood and fire or any other type of adversity. It is Jesus that enables people to see God's presence and activity in both tragedy and also triumph. Jesus is the reason for the early Christians' hope, and this same Jesus is the reason for our hope today. Maybe you need to be reminded of who this Jesus is. Maybe today you need to be reminded of what once stirred within you a hope that was beyond all comprehension. Maybe today you find that you are more often fueled by fear than by hope, and you have grown weary. Your tank is empty. If so, let me remind you today about this Jesus who gives us hope. Jesus, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages. He is the one who came as an infant child, born of the Spirit and Mary, lowly and dependent to rescue all people from hopelessness and despair. Jesus, God from God, is the one who transcends all boundaries to demonstrate God's love extends beyond any restrictions that we try to put on it. Jesus, the light from light, is the one who at the beginning of his ministry unrolled a scroll to proclaim that his life and work would be about shining good news for the poor, liberation to those in captivity, and new sight for those who are blind. Jesus, true God from true God, is the one who demonstrated God's lavish and abundant love by turning water to wine. Jesus, of the same essence as the Father, is the one who offered living water at a well to a socially marginalized and outcast Samaritan woman who was from the wrong people and the wrong faith. Jesus, through whom all things were made, 
is the one who, when the disciples were trembling in fear at the storm on that lake, he overcame them. He spoke a word, and the storm was stilled. Jesus, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven, was made incarnate and fully human. He is one like us in every way except sin, who mourned when his friends mourned, wept when his friends died. Jesus, who was crucified under Pontius Pilate, suffered death and was buried, showed us there was another, there was no place so low that we could not go and find him there. Jesus, who rose again from the grave, is the one who the grave could not hold, the one who after three days got up to put death to death. Jesus is the one who, by rising from the dead and ascending to heaven, declared that neither sin, nor death, nor hell, nor any earthly power would have the final word. He is the one who has, by his resurrection, proclaimed that God's kingdom of love and life would triumph and never end. This is the Jesus who gives us reason to hope and continue in our faith today, even during these difficult times. And a lot of these words we're about to say again when we say the Nicene Creed, but thought they fit nicely. Today, we have the opportunity to claim a Christian faith known for hope. Peter called the early church and calls us still to be ready to take the stand for this hope. We can be the ones who testify to this hope. We can provide a defense of this hope in the midst of a world that has gone mad. As people whose imaginations are shaped by the story of Jesus, we have the opportunity to push hope instead of fear and to proclaim Christ as the reason for our hope. Because of Jesus, we can be the people whose heartbeat, whose future, whose banner and home, whose song and anthem is hope. Maybe May hope be the anthem of our lives. May we live so marked by hope that others will ask us to tell them, why are you not afraid? Because we have Jesus, we have this hope. And then let us tell them the story of Jesus, the one who came loving and serving. May we tell them the story of the Jesus who walked with the oppressed and forsaken. May we tell them the story of the Jesus who proclaimed good news, particularly to the poor and released to those in captivity. So here's what is called upon us as Christians, that we are to continue speaking out the faith despite any opposition we face, to declare Christ to an increasing and unbelieving and sometimes very hostile world. And of course, what is unique about our Christian faith, as Peter rightly notes, is the hope that is ours. We are to speak out boldly about hope that we have as Christians, that God will always be here for us. Recently on Facebook, I have been posting a few prayers here and there to boost morale and give comfort to those who are beginning to lose hope. One of my friends who I've known for a long time, and actually was the best friend in my wedding, um, sent me a thing back saying, well, I sure hope that your prayers work. Now, I could have gone off on him and, you know, said some pretty nasty stuff, but I didn't. I just said, you know, I believe in prayer. 
and I believe that God's hears my prayers. This is one guy whose tank was really empty, and unfortunately he is still today. We must never be shy to share good news, the gospel, with other people. But Peter tells us that the guiding principle is for sharing the gospel with respect, love, and compassion. As he says in verse 16, with gentleness and reverence, keep your conscience clear. The sense here is that we must show respect to others when we speak to them, but always remember that we're in the presence of God and accountable to him. So be gentle when you share the good news, even though they're not really believing what you're saying. So I urge you to continue to share the good news of Jesus, even when we are all misunderstood, even when we may feel intimidated or fearful of our consequences of sharing this good news. These early Christians were facing the possibility of persecution and death, and they needed to know that they were safe and secure whenever they professed that faith, and they were in the hands of the almighty and powerful God. And Peter gives them this assurance with his letter today. And Peter gives us that assurance in that same letter. It is the assurance that God is with us during difficult times such as these. So may we tell the story of Jesus, the one who defeated death and fear and hell. This is the good news of the gospel, and we can stand firm in it. And as we tell the story, may Christ be lifted, glorified, honored, and worshiped as our Lord. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, you remind us over and over in your word that you are always with us. You tell us not to fear, and you draw us close in your presence. You're the only place we find refuge in the storms that surround us right now. You're the only place we can find peace and strength. So we ask you for your words of truth and power to strengthen us. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you know the way we take and that you have a plan. And all this we pray in your son Jesus' name. Amen.